Good evening. This is your hostess, Sheila Dean. I'm outside. I decided not to run my intro or outro. This is a spontaneous reading. So for peace of mind, it's a peace of mind, unsanctioned your mind reading. It's not meant to be for anything other than for meditative use. Uh, my friend up in the tree there is the uh, state bird of Texas, the mockingbird. Yeah, his his debut on Colin. So I'll be reading um, something from Unsanction Your Mind, Temperance and the Nature of the Good. <clears throat> oh, great, a drone, quadcopter. Coming to say hello, not a bird. Anyways, artificial intelligence, woo! So this is Stoicism and the Art of Happiness, Practical Wisdom for Everyday Life. This is about the nature of the good. So Musonius says that nature has set us the goal of flourishing, becoming good men and women, and that being good is the same as being a philosopher, a lover of wisdom, lectures 16. Hence, for the Stoics to be wise and to be good are essentially the same thing. What, then, is the true nature of the good that the wise man contemplates and that corresponds with his own state of mind? What do we mean when we say something is good or bad or indifferent? We're told Zeno originally gave the following examples which provide a starting point for traditional Stoic accounts of ethics. Good things include wisdom, temperance, justice, courage, and all that is virtue or participates in virtue. Bad things include folly, intemperance, injustice, cowardice, and all that is vice or participates in vice. Indifferent things include everything else, but most notably life and death, reputation and ill repute, pleasure and pain, wealth and poverty, health and sickness, etc. So the good and bad are just the traditional cardinal virtues of Socratic philosophy and their opposites, the four cardinal vices. These were all considered to be different forms of practical wisdom. Phronesis. The most essentially good thing for man as we'll see, the word indifferent is slightly misleading as the Stoics, unlike the Cynics, distinguish between some such things as having more value than others being preferred in planning the future. However, this type of value is totally incommensurate with the good. Wisdom and the other virtues are valuable beyond comparison with the boldly or sorry, bodily and external goods because possession of them perfects human nature and thereby allows us to fulfill the fundamental goal in life. Whereas other so-called goods count for nothing in this regard. The indifferent things, therefore, include what the majority of people normally judge as good or bad, often summarized as health, wealth, and reputation. 
The cynics and Stoics agree that mankind suffers from a great illusion, tufos, literally a mist or smoke. The assumption that these superficial things are intrinsically good or bad. These examples were based on several Stoic definitions of the good in terms of its essential characteristics, which reputedly complement each other and point in the same direction. Perhaps most fundamentally, the Stoics define what is good for us as the fulfillment of our potential or perfection of our nature. The good for all living things, plants and animals alike, is the perfection of their own nature. According to Cicero, the Stoic Diogenes of Babylon defined the good as what is complete by nature, fulfilling its potential, and he portrays Cato as saying, those who are wise, we all consider to be whole and complete. The early Stoics, likewise, defined the good as wisdom, or that which is perfectly in accord with nature for a rational being qua rational. As we've seen, the Greek word arete, or maybe it's arete, um, usually translated as virtue, means something more like excelling in terms of one's natural function in life. Humans are inherently both rational and social beings, whose natural goal is therefore to perfect their capacity for wisdom and justice. For Stoics, this is the goal of life handed to, handed to us by nature herself. And the commandment of Zeus, who is uh, ideological only in this context, I'll just say that, uh, the father of mankind to bring his unfinished work to perfection. Cato, therefore, also describes the good for man as ripeness or timeliness. Eukaira. Eukaria? Yeah. Uh, a surprising but perhaps revealing Stoic technical term. Virtue, like ripeness, does not increase in value over time because it is found in our nature having achieved its end and reached perfection. That is why, for the Stoics, a happy life is no more desirable or worth seeking if long than if short. To have attained... Eudaimonia, by excelling in accord with our essential nature, perfecting reason, and achieving wisdom, is to flourish and ripen naturally like a fruit. This is an important Stoic doctrine because it means that prolonging one's life will not necessarily add to virtue, and to death is indifferent with regard to the highest good. In response to those who argue that preserving one's life is good, because it allows wisdom to be exercised for a longer period, Cato is portrayed as objecting quite bluntly, but somewhat cryptically. Cryptically, This argument fails to grasp that while the value of good health is judged by its duration, the value of virtue is judged by its ripeness. This is another stoic bombshell. One will return to in chapter on death. The early Stoics referred to many additional qualities possessed by the nature of the good, which Diogenes Laertius and Strobius both summarized in fairly similar ways. For instance, 
All good things are beneficial and well used and advantageous and profitable and virtuous and fitting and honorable. There is an affinity to them. The Stoics appear to have maintained that these characteristics of the good are preconceptions shared on reflection by all mankind, which nature has created in us free from any contradiction. For which of us does not take it that a good thing is advantageous and worthy of being chosen and something we should seek and pursue in every circumstance? Which of us does not take that justice is something honorable and fitting? We likewise share the basic preconception of evil, that it is something harmful to be or helpful, rather than harmful, or injurious, because by itself it has, it is such as to benefit us in terms of happiness, eudaimonia, being inherently good and healthy as a state of mind in its own right. The good is its own reward, the only truly, truly beneficial thing for man and its absence, or its opposite, is the only true harm. Honorable and beautiful kalos, because it is intrinsically praiseworthy, perfectly harmonious, and consistent with itself, has all the features sought by nature, and is sufficient in itself to perfect life and bring it to completion. When the Stoics speak of virtue as honorable, they basically mean that it is admirable and deserves to be unconditionally praised in other people. Therefore, wise men also pride themselves in possessing it. By saying that it's beneficial, they mean that it's that crucially virtue is its own reward. It is itself the very perfection of human nature and the greatest form of well-being we can aspire to, although it tends to bring many other advantages in life, fate permitting. Being honorable and beneficial are undoubtedly two of the most important characteristics of the good as defined by the Stoics. In this way, Stoic ethics equates the moral and the therapeutic value of practical wisdom and other virtues. What is morally good or honorable is identical with what is good for us or healthy. In addition to these qualities, Epictetus, in particular, a former slave himself, refers to wisdom and virtue as freedom in the sense of being free, a free man, but also free from irrational fears and desires. So badness or vice is likewise described to being a slave in the sense of being enslaved by our passions, by excessive attachment to eternal external things. So the virtues and vices. The concepts of virtue and vice are absolutely central to the whole edifice of Stoic philosophy. Although a Rita is usually translated as virtue, excellence is perhaps a better translation. 
It is closer to what we mean by a person's strengths, their positive characteristics, good qualities, what makes them excel, etc. These terms therefore imply both what is honorable versus shameful, human nature and something of intrinsic value is always lacking within, leaving our lives empty and unfulfilled. Virtue, as we've seen, can also be understood as harmony or agreement at three levels, with oneself, with reason, with mankind, and with nature and the universe. By contrast, vice is essentially a state of inconsistency and disharmony being fundamentally alienated from one's true self, from the rest of mankind, from the universe in which we live. As human nature is essentially rational, it follows the highest form of excellence, and the key to living harmoniously is the perfection of reason or wisdom, and the greatest vice is folly or ignorance. The sage is, therefore, essentially the same as the good man, and all bad men are fools. Wisdom did not itself generate the human race. It took, its, it, took, it took it over, unfinished from nature. So it ought to watch nature closely and perfect her work as if it were a statue. What the character of human beings that nature left incomplete? That's a question. And what is the task and function of wisdom? What is it that must polish and be perfected. If there is nothing to be perfected except a certain operation of the mind, namely reason, then the ultimate good must be to live in accordance with virtue. Virtue, after all, is the perfection of reason. The Stoics generally accepted that the different forms of virtue, the ways in which humans excel, can be classified under four broad headings. These are the traditional cardinal virtues of so. Socratic philosophy, as we've seen, and their opposing vices. Underneath the subordinate virtues identified by the early Stoics, are these helped to us to define what they meant? The first is wisdom, Sophia, or prudence, phronesis, which opposes the vice or of folly or thoughtlessness. It includes excellent deliberation, good calculation quick-wittedness, good sense, a healthy sense of purpose, and resourcefulness. The second is justice, lawfulness or integrity, sometimes righteousness, which opposes wrongdoing or injustice. This also includes piety to the gods, good-heartedness or benevolence, public service, and fair dealing. The third is courage or fortitude. Andrea literally means manliness, which opposes cowardice. Dilea um, includes endurance, 
confidence, great heartedness, brave heartedness, and love of work. Moderation or temperance, sometimes discretion, which opposes intemperance or excess. This includes organization, orderliness, modesty, and self-control. Seneca, for example, describes these as the respective virtues of foreseeing what has to be done, dispensing what has to be given, curbing fears, and checking desires. Epictetus also had a famous slogan, endure and renounce. Alternatively, bear and forbear, which may well correspond with the two closely related cardinal virtues of courage and self-discipline. It's possible that some Stoics thought that these were the first two aspects of virtue that had to be mastered by novices during their practical training in ethics on the way to attaining the loftier virtues of wisdom and justice. However, Zeno accepted the Socratic notion that all virtues are one. They say that the virtues follow on each other and that he who has one has them all. Well, that's a bonus. Like Socrates, he repeatedly also said that the virtues are all forms of knowledge concerning what is truly good or bad, whereas the vices are forms of moral ignorance. So I'm going to leave it there. So we looked at what's good and bad, what's temperate and intemperate. And I think that those are good pointers or navigations for peace of mind and staying out of things that mean us harm. So this will keep us away from being stirred up too, too much too vigorously by too many agitators and too many people who are taking advantage of political emotionality, trying to throw us into some sort of um, advancements of cause that we didn't commit to. So you have the patience to step back and go, hmm, you know what, I, I need to think on this. And if I have to make a decision, I think I'll just not. Because any decision that lacks deliberation is probably not not prudent not wise so uh this has been unsanctioned your mind get unsanctioned because there's too many people telling you what you should be mad at and maybe anger isn't always the answer thank you for listening